Today on Sexual Medicine and Health on ReachMD, we'll be discussing the issues of sexual accessories and sexual concerns. Uh, it's really a, a very, very interesting time for women's sexual health. We're now seeing equality for women. They are really now breaking down barriers in terms of discussion. But, you know, there are some concerns still in society at large of uh, obtaining and getting sexual health accessories, whether it's moisturizers, lubricants, or self-stimulators. And joining me today is Dr. Barb Dupree. She's a gynecologist and a NAM-certified menopause provider, founder of Middlesex MD, a website providing information and products for women's sexual health. She's also the director of the Midlife Women's Health Services at Holland Hospital. Barb, thanks so much for joining us today on this show. I know it's a really very important time in women's sexual health, and you're really uh, a pioneer in this field in terms of helping women. So thank you for taking the time out of your busy clinical schedule to uh, share some important thoughts with us today. I'm happy to join you, Michael. Thanks for inviting me. So, Barb, why don't we just jump right in, and why don't you tell our viewers or listeners why you address sexual health concerns so routinely in your clinical practice? My clinical practice is focused primarily on perimenopause and menopausal women's health, and my background is as a gynecologist. So new patients coming into my practice often have concerns specific to that age and stage of life, and not coincidentally, it's often a time where women experience significant sexual concerns as well. My intake um, questionnaire has about eight sexually related questions, and when I first started focusing my practice on this demographic, I was pretty astounded by the number of questions that revealed dissatisfaction in women. So I made it a point to focus a little bit more directly on that um, besides just screening that population. I'm screening general population because when you take the time to ask, I think you'd be surprised at the number of patients that have some level of dissatisfaction. It might be minor, not really interfering, but for many women, it's a major relationship issue for them, and they're trying to manage through it with unfamiliarity about what to anticipate and then what to do about it. Right. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I think it's refreshing that that clinicians are now asking the right questions. I always say, ask, you can't treat a problem if you don't know that one exists. What are some of the common problems that you see? I know in my clinical practice, we're seeing a lot of libido and pain. Is that similar across all demographics? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think libido is going to be an um, continued ongoing concern across most women, many ages, for a variety of reasons, as you know. But then more specific to the perimenopause, menopause is what happens hormonally and the consequences that come from that sexually. There does seem to be some lack of knowledge about the importance of estrogen on the genitals and the result of that being progressive dryness, and then maybe more difficulty, arousal, inability to orgasm. So if you add a somewhat declined libido now to additional hurdles and discomfort related to sex, I was overwhelmed by the number of women who were just choosing not to be sexual, even in otherwise healthy relationships, which doesn't really benefit the relationship over the long run. So my goal 
in creating Middlesex MD as a website to provide information and products was to help women navigate this to know that moisturizers and lubricants are available and how you might select a lubricant. A year or two ago, I went to my local uh, uh, drugstore and there were 38 vaginal products on the shelves of that drugstore. So when you stand in front of 38 products and try to make a selection, it's not easy to determine why I would choose one over another other than, you know, the the image maybe on the label, but the contents of what's in the product is pretty variable. So it just felt like there wasn't a lot of guideline in helping women navigate this area of, of health. Well, you know, that's that's really remarkable. And I know that it's it's really concerning when women go into the store to try and find even a moisturizer or a lubricant. And I, I think that that is in it of itself a huge barrier. Many women are embarrassed or they're concerned. Um, you know, I still think that there are so, still some social issues. You know, we see the, the proud puffed up man going in and slamming down a big box of condoms on the on the checkout counter but it's still not okay for women to maintain vaginal or vulvar health and it's still a concern and you know I think that there are some simple solutions that clinicians certainly can recommend especially to our menopausal uh, patients and uh, you bring up some good points about uh, local estrogen as well, and we'll certainly have some further discussion concerning local estrogens. But I think that there is um, a, a prevalence of this concern and fear, both on the clinician side as well as the patient side, to even broach the topic of dryness because of the concern about hormones and estrogen. And I think we really need a lot of education um, but as you mentioned, there are certainly some simple solutions, be it as it may, whether it's a moisturizer or a lubricant, and the task of choosing one can be especially daunting. We also talked about self-stimulators or vibrators um, as well, and there are many, many uh, choices out there. How do you feel that those can be of benefit to your patients given their specific uh, sexual health concerns or needs? I think there's a, an array of situations where a vibrator actually would serve a woman very well. We think of them historically as more just pleasure devices, and I'm certainly not opposed to that as a pleasure device solely, but when I see a single postmenopausal woman who's not presently in a relationship but hoping to someday be in a relationship, she's not aware of the progressive atrophy changes that are going on at a clinical exam, I can update her on what my clinical exam shows and talk about, well, someday in the event of becoming sexually active, this is maybe what you're up against, and we're going to have to think about how to address that, and now maybe we want to talk about preventing further atrophy. Well, that's a great um, time where a woman might consider a vibrator as an adjunct to vaginal health. The NAMS position statement on treating vaginal atrophy will list being, being sexually active as having active intercourse as one of the treatments for it. So selecting a vibrator, dildo, or device to utilize will improve blood supply um, during those activities, which will help reduce the progression of the atrophy. So that's a time I will bring that up. And just yesterday I saw a patient who's on a medication making 
uh, delayed orgasm or uh, longer latency period to orgasm or difficulty achieving orgasm. And we talked through how she might um, introduce a vibrator into her relationship to bring more pleasure. So for her, there's some loss of desire, but now you add more difficulty achieving orgasm and she's even less motivated to choose to be sexual. So if we can assure her more pleasure, um, both for her and her partner, there's more pleasure when both partners are being satisfied by the event. Uh, a vibrator is a perfect solution for that. So if I identify a patient who may have a condition that will benefit from it and then understand that she's open and willing to do that, I then talk through the features of vibrators and that's going to be external or internal. If there isn't a partner, I recommend an internal intravaginal vibrator so that she can um, introduce the vibrator, have some idea of vaginal capacity and and bring the stimulation into the vagina and then show them the different vibratory and sequencing features of the vibrations um, so they can have some idea, see and hold a vibrator to know that they're actually, there are some beautiful designed vibrators now of some very fine products that are safe to use and I don't have to worry about her searching the internet and trying to navigate a website that has a selection of 300 different vibrators of which I'm not sure what they're made of and whether they're safe for women to have in contact with their genitals. Right. And I think the 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 quality and the product and the options can be very concerning to patients. And, you know, there's just so many selections out there that it can be a very daunting task for patients. And sometimes as clinicians, we say, oh, maybe go get a vibrator, but we don't really give them further information. And this can be uh, a very scary task for women. So, you know, providing a safe place for women to go to get information, I think, is key and educate themselves uh, before they can actually get the products is very important. And sometimes, you know, in in our clinical practice, we, we sometimes have um, products there so they can actually see them and feel them and understand how they work before they even actually go uh, out and purchase something like that. And, you know, I think it's very important. You bring up some good points about talking it through because uh, for many women, they have never used these products and there's a concern with the partner as well. So, you know, it's not just go and get something like this and just start using it. I think there's a lot of education that needs to go uh, hand in hand with this. So if you're just tuning in right now, we're listening to uh, Barb Dupree. Uh, this is Sexual Medicine and Health on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Critchman, and I'm here with Dr. Barb Dupree, who's not only a gynecologist and a NAM-certified menopause provider, but she's also the founder of Middlesex MD, a website providing information and products for women's sexual health. Uh, Barb, I want to turn a little bit in the uh, latter part, and talk to me a little bit about Middlesex MD. I know it's a, a unique site. Uh, there's a lot of products um, and a huge amount of education. And uh, tell me a little bit about how you and your team go about choosing a product before it goes on to the site, and how do you maintain that uh, level of excellence for your patients, and what are some extra services that you provide that separates you from other people as well? Well, Middlesex MD was designed 
you know, by myself as a clinician with a typical patient in mind. Again, I, I, I don't want to say that I don't value pleasure and, and the sexual devices and what they may do simply for pleasure, but really it's, it has a more clinical focus to help women remain successful. So we tried to talk through the likely hurdles that might come up with um, women as we age and transition through menopause, what may happen regarding pain, and how you select a lubricant. They're different. They're water-based. They're a hybrid. They're are silicone. A lubricant and a moisturizer is different, and how you might use a moisturizer in when that would be indicated. And many women aren't aware of that, so it takes the time to try to help with product selection. Every product is we do a why we like it or why you might or might not select that particular problem. We talk about pelvic tone, pelvic floor. There's progression of pelvic relaxation, maybe leading to urinary incontinence. So we also have some devices around pelvic floor tone. Orgasm is really contraction of the pelvic floor. So if we can make our pelvic floors stronger, we can improve urinary and bowel function as well as the pleasure achieved with orgasm. And then how we might choose a vibrator. Again, there's some pretty um, disturbing things out there available for women to purchase. I went to um, Adult Novelty Expos, talked with vendors, health products, looked at what goes into the products and how they provide the, um, the vibration, the sequence of vibrations, etc. cetera. Um, there's difference between rechargeable, some are you can use um, in water and some are, are not compatible with in the shower or a hot tub. So for every woman, there needs to be a variety of options. So we try to have a, a limited variety. So it's not a one of 300 selection. It's a one of 20 to 30 selection. Some are pretty complicated with how they work and the buttons and for many women, they don't need 60 features, but we need just some fairly straightforward um, on-off and then how to vary the vibratory stimulus, et cetera. So it was done in mind with excellent quality products, and I've consulted other experts in the field in finding recommended products with other leaders in this field who have had great experience with products. And so it's a curated product list that comes from a number of resources. It really seems like you're providing such a such a valuable and needed service for for both patients and clinicians as well. So Barb, thank you so much for being with us today. Unfortunately, we've run out of time, but you know this is a really vital part of the sexual experience, and you know we're we're really talking about issues related to desire and pain and arousal and how they change. And we really want to um, do well by our patients in terms of offering, whether it's simple solutions or provide education. And you really are a pioneer in terms of providing the service uh, really in a safe, comfortable environment, not only the products, but also the educational resources. I'm Dr. Michael Critchman, and you've been listening to Sexual Medicine and Health on ReachMD. Please be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com slash sexualmedicine to download this segment as well as others in the series. Thank you again for listening, and thank you, Barb, for joining us today. Thank you, Michael.